Hector, can you hear us? If you can hear us, give us a sign. Move something in the room. <laughs> Why did he join the call if he's not going to be called? <laughs> oh, there he is. He's there just he is. Zoom. All right. We, we did it. We summoned him. <laughs> okay. Your internet connection is unstable. Fucking RCN, get your shit together. Oops. You're going to lose the Zoom for more. Yeah, it'll go back in there. Yeah, unlike Facebook, Zoom doesn't hang up the call. Well, finally some good fucking engineering. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, welcome to episode 30 of the Exotangent Quarantine Dispatch. I am one of the four hosts, and I am here to talk about retail trading with three of the hottest minds on Reddit. They each have a fabulous new stock they'd like to push on us. And that will go even higher than GameStop. I'd like to first ask our, our remote uh, trader from the great state of Texas to uh, help tell us about what the new hot stock will be for this week. Yeah, I think people should start uh, having puts for human interaction. I think that's going to go big uh, later in the next uh, coming year. I know for a fact that there's a lot of hedge funds that are trying to short uh, that particular stock uh, on, mm. on on you know the fact that there is a pandemic going on. But I think that we need to stick it up to them. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're looking at their smug faces from, from the Occupy Wall Street times. I think it's high time that we uh, start pumping up the price of human interaction. All right, sweet. Human interaction is going up. Uh, we have another trader here to talk about a different stock completely, if you will. Listen, folks, you know, so, some people might tell you about having a, a diversified portfolio, you know, putting money into stocks, bonds, the like. But l- listen to me. You only need to put your, your money into one thing and one thing only, and that's gold. <laughs> Interesting. And wh- why is gold valuable? It looks good, man. What else can I say? Interesting, interesting. Good theory, good theory. We'll see if that actually pans out. All right. Oh, oh uh, I get it, because uh, uh, panning, right? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's very clever. Yeah. Yes, puns. And our third trader, what do you have to, p- to show us today? All right. There is a very uh, interesting up-and-coming firm based out of Cheyenne, Wyoming, that manufactures Betamax tapes. This is the hot new company out there. They're called Betamax Trader Solutions, BTS, like the Korean pop group. <laughs> Betamax. All right. It's going to go bigly all over the world. Uh, the, the, their stock is only worth two hundredths of a cent right now. But if you if you get in on the ground floor, that penny stock can go up to three cents a share, and even even beyond. There is literally no upper limit to how much a stock can be worth. Ding 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 ding. Yeah, it's the opening bell because this man's going rich. Yeah, because we, because you are about to become rich. Remember BTS Betamax Trading Solutions. <laughs> Do you know what BTS actually is on the NS, NYSE? Uh, it's the Korean pop group. They're their own company. They, oh, tra- they, tra- they're, they went public last year. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> if you have enough like shares in that, do you like get to demand certain songs at the concerts? I don't know. Let's ask K-pop Twitter. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah. And uh, the moderator of this episode of uh, Exit Tangent Quarantine Traders, um, I'd like to say that GameStop's going to 14000 next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it. Um, you didn't hear it from me. You just heard the words coming out of my mouth. All right. You know, with that, man, I think Elon Musk is starting to, uh, get himself, uh, you know, pretty wet, uh, over the, the GameStop <laughs> stock and also very, uh, jealous, you know, that, that Tesla can't, uh, pump, 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 what is it called? A pump and dump. Isn't that what their like, uh, <laughs> company yeah. is, um, uh, I mean, didn't he actually just do that out in the open on Twitter when he said that... Tesla stocks are too high, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then he got investigated by the SEC. Yeah. Or, or no, no, that was the other thing. Oh, that was the other thing, yeah. But he's also... That was, like, the 420 (laughs) stock price thing. He he also, like, complained a few days ago, in the midst of the whole GameStop stuff, that he he was complaining about short selling as as a thing. Because, Because, you know, if, you know, people realize that Tesla is just like a whole pump and dub scheme. Uh, they are going to short sell Tesla. 
I mean, I mean, like, uh, I, I was listening to this uh, to this uh, tech podcast. It's called the Accidental Tech Podcast. I don't recommend it to any of the hosts of this show, um, but it is, but it is like a very good of its kind podcast. Uh, and at the end of the episode, they were talking about like the new design for the Tesla Model S or whatever, and like the steering wheel looks absolutely ridiculous. It's like the, one of the hosts referred to it as a bucket because it's like shaped like a U. It's like, and they were talking about the fact that like for people who are like used to the old steering wheel, if you have to like do like a like 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 a major maneuver where you have to turn the wheel like more than ninety degrees, oh, like, is there a gonna, gap? Like, your hand is just gonna like 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 just fall through and, and stuff. grab it because there's a yeah, gap at the top. Is, is that like is that how it looks? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a rectangle, but like the top of the rectangle is where you would expect the center of the steering wheel to be. So yeah, it's, it's more like a like a race car wheel almost. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of it's really dumb. <laughs> but like with race cars, like your only the, your turns are like not that large compared to fucking like ninety degrees. You're not doing a three point in the yeah. middle of the Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and then also, like, um, what else is it? Like, uh, oh, there's, like, a giant screen. Like, the, the, the first of all, they, they made the screen landscape instead of portrait. But second of all, you can play video games on the center console. <laughs> like, what the fuck? No, and it's fine because the car would be self-driving, right? You'll, it'll, oh, it'll, 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 it'll run over pedestrians while you're busy playing Flappy Bird. <laughs> no, no, you'll, be, you'll be playing GTA. <laughs> I see through the bricks to the sea, crumbling castle. Waters rising up, thick and green, crumbling castle. So, so Misky had us all uh, spend the last two weeks in preparation for. Uh, listening to the new Weezer album, OK Human, that came out Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of interesting because we, we spent two weeks for to you know to prepare for a topic, and it was interesting that he, he had us just like wait and do nothing up until uh, this, this past Friday. Yeah, he's just gonna play. It for, actually, he's gonna play it for us out of the air right now. Yeah, so the rest the rest of the podcast is just gonna be us sitting here in silence while we all listen to the album. It's like thirty minutes, or is it, it's a little. It's kind of short. Yeah, well, that'll take us to uh, the full hour. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Playing anyway, at half speed. Two weeks ago, uh, Hector put us... Th- or a little oh bit over two God. weeks ago now. Hector put us through a little bit of torture because he just wanted to see where our psychological breakpoints were. No, that's not... And I thought that that was... <laughs> I thought that, that was, was a little bit that rude. That was my intention. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we all broke. It was okay. We all, we all learned something through it. Um, but, you know, we were kind of questioning whether all these topics were making us actually happier. And a book that was recommended to me, I thought would be good for that. Uh, it's called 10% Happier by Dan Harris. Um, it's not really self-help. It's I don't really know what to call it. Maybe you guys can try and put it in a genre. Um, I, I, I would it. call it a book. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> that's, it's a, that's, it's a certain, book. that's certainly the medium. Yeah, it's pages, but I read them on a digital screen. Anyway, the, um, the book is about Dan Harris's life. Uh, he is a guy who became... A news anchor, pretty uh, pretty popular one on a big network, and he wasn't quite satisfied in a lot of ways with how his life was going, um, and he eventually got put on a religious and spirituality beat at his news station, which brought him to a lot of interesting characters and learned a lot of interesting things from those characters, and later on found out something that really, really worked for him in order to be uh, more in control of his thoughts and make himself a little happier, and that thing was meditation. And he goes a little bit into the origin story of meditation. Uh, it's links to Buddhism in the book. And it kind of ends off, you know, at the place Dan Harris is in his life as of a few years ago, because the book's a few years old. Um, and I just asked all of my co-hosts to read through the book uh, to kind of just give it an open mind. I didn't, tell them it, I didn't tell any of them very much about the book before they read it, as that was kind of the point. Because uh, that's how it was with me. I just kind of read it, and I learned a few things from it. I'm trying to practice some of the things that were discussed in the book, and you know, kind of see where it goes from there. So the first question I suppose I have for all all of you guys is, um, what what did you think when you first started the book before you knew anything about it, uh, and how did that change by the time you reached the last page? And don't go all, all at once. But if there's any <laughs> Real hot takes. I think now is a good time to to let her rip. When I started reading the book, you know, had I not read the description, I would not have known where the book was going. 
I, I mean, I, I think it, it definitely doesn't have, I mean, not that I've read much, like if all, like if anything in the self-help or like mindfulness genre, but it's not the impression that I would get from that sort of a book. I mean, I, I feel like I definitely have, and, and Dan talks about this in his book of that, like Buddhism and then mindfulness in general kind of has a, a bit of a stigma uh, certainly in the West. And I definitely associated with kind of like hippie, like kind of like out there kind of people. And like, like when I've seen those books at stores, it's, it's, it's not that I'm, that I have an aversion to them, but I, I definitely get to feel like, oh, like this isn't like my kind of a, my kind of a genre. And, and so in that way, like this book, I know made it more approachable for sure. Yeah, I had the same thing with me. I uh, also am averse to, like, all the self-help stuff. I might explain some things about it later, at least my own experiences, but... Yeah, um, just a quick question. Why, why, do you, why would you say generally you're adverse to self-help? Because uh, it, it honestly feels um, like the people that supposedly have a lot of answers to a lot of people's questions, um, I guess, well, I guess these self-help people or like motivational speakers or whatever um it's extremely vague and there's don't they don't really offer a lot of prescriptive uh answers to people's questions it's very mm-hmm. it's very uh it's either descriptive and i think there's like uh, we might talk about there's like a person a character well like a, an actual character in the book where um a w- interesting person who like offers a lot of or uh, i guess descriptive answers mm-hmm. but nothing prescriptive and anything that's prescriptive is very like extremely metaphysical or, or or way out there stuff that it's kind of like bordering on the on the nonsense um <laughs> yeah. but yeah so i mean i always had that view but yeah I, I actually so i didn't know anything about the book didn't even read the description of the book um i just like kind of read it through it and you know the start of it was very it was a little bit tedious, um, not uh, mostly just because like can't really relate to someone like the person. At least very, in, at least in the beginning, very very beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it obviously, you know, my my opinion of it did change, and not having read the description, it kind of like, went wild into just like how far it veered off into something completely like, um, well, not not completely. Um, surprising i guess it shouldn't have been surprising given that like there's that was there's context the, yeah in, 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 in this context it it, it it actually does make a lot of sense that this is the path that the the author like took you know along you know throughout his life at least like with the questions he had um so it's interesting and i actually you know <laughs> managed to finish the book before, minutes before we got on to record this so <laughs> i am prepared yeah you're fresh freshly read Thoughts are still buzzing around in your head. Uh, and you? I, I remember when I started reading the book, because the preface like kind of like warns you, like even without reading the description, it quote unquote warns you that this is a book about meditation, ultimately. Um, this Because like the t- neither the subtitle nor the subtitle makes this clear. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. Like I, I have uh, quite a bit of experience in my own life with like uh, trying to become a better person and trying to, be uh, aware of the people around me and all of this kind of stuff going on. And I have been like, 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 like therapists that I've had in the past have suggested meditation and things like that. Um, and, and, and I'm also like vaguely familiar with some of the, with some elements of Buddhism that were discussed in this book later on. Um, but then the first chapter was like, so anyway, I'm a hotshot news anchor in Iraq. And I was like, I don't fucking care. Um, but <laughs> Because I don't watch ABC and I don't really know anyone that does. Um, but like, you know, as, as he, uh, like, like getting more into his mind and into like the sort of like, you know, the, the skepticism with which he approached like a lot of different things and then eventually sort of like found something that worked for him. Like then I became sort of like more, like uh, more invested, I guess, in him, in his story and all, and, and the sorts of things that he went through. And then, and then there was a kind of like, 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 like a kind of dip in the book for me, which, which I'm sure I'll get to later where it was just like, um like 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 it's like basically i enjoyed the parts of the book where like he came at this kind of stuff like as a skeptic uh and i didn't enjoy as much the parts of this book where he came at this from the point of like well i have status as like a famous anchor and i am in this environment so like 
that, how do I deal with that? Like, I didn't really care that much about that. Um, but there was still a lot of like interesting stories and insights from this book. And I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail later. Yeah. All right. So I think that the first impressions and the sort of the final impressions that you all, all three of you described, um, I, I definitely could relate to all three of your responses there. Um, at first I was like, you know, all right, you know, I got this recommendation, so I'll just put my best foot forward and I'll try and absorb the material best I can, even if it's not necessarily my cup of tea, even if this is not the sort of book that I would necessarily jump into myself. Um, I guess I was just kind of feeling like, okay, you know, I probably get the most, most out of this if I have an open mind and I just try and dive into it. Um, and I did, I did benefit from it, I think, because of that to some degree. And I actually have been trying to practice some of the things that the book recommends in meditation over the last two weeks. And I'm not really seeing any big changes in mindfulness or how I perceive the world around me, but it is something that I kind of enjoy. I do feel kind of sort of a clear mind after I actually do the, you know, sitting on a pillow for 15 minutes and practicing some of the basic things that the book talks about. Um, so, and I'll, and I'll probably keep it up for a while to see how it, how it turns out. Um, I hope that it's something that I can continue as well as any other good habit, you know, like brushing your teeth twice a day or eating vegetables regularly. Uh, I think meditation is, is one of those good habits that, you know, it's, is worth striving for, uh, in whatever way you, you take it. For example, I think my father's form of meditation is he sits out in the woods in a tree with a gun for five hours every morning in the middle of the fall. And he's just sitting there out with his thoughts. And he's told me like, oh yeah, I think about this, this, and this while I'm sitting there waiting for some animal to cross my path. And it's not, he doesn't call it meditation, but like the principles are there. Um, and that's something I was thinking about a lot in my own reflections with the book and its main, main thesis. So I guess we could start off by just, you know, getting the first few chapters, talking about what they meant to you. I think that all all of us here, we can't really relate to high energy news anchor dude. Um, but the whole notion of like choking on the job uh, and not really understanding like where you go next is something that any sort of high, high achieving or, you know, not even necessarily high achieving, but like go getter type of person can understand. Or anyone with like a service or even retail job, like, yeah. like having to deal with people like, like, like it's like there are moments I'm sure that are challenging in any, in any working environment. And like ch choking up in the in the moment is is relatable, uh, for sure. Um, so when I was reading about that, I was like, oh, interesting. Like, I don't really hear a lot of uh, high achieving people talk openly about this, but it doesn't surprise me at the same time that they go through this. And it's kind of like, why is he being so honest? Um, and like, what is he trying to achieve through this? Like, he becomes more relatable, I guess, as a result of it, which kind of draws you into the, the story that he's trying to tell um though i suppose it's not really his his point yeah i i think the other thing about like him being so sort of forthright about his past is that like it's like oh this is like this is the kind of person that i used to be before i like went through all of this stuff and and sort of discovered these things and like started uh a med do, doing meditation and all of this kind of stuff is like, like 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 it's like i went through life like sort of like with the like like, like with this like fog or whatever, uh, like, like, like with a lot of stress and just like kind of like being very sort of petty and angry all the time and all of this kind of this and that. And, uh, and like after he went to Iraq, like to, to do war reporting, which, 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 which by the way is like, it's kind of funny to like see him like talk about like, Oh, like my war experiences. And it's like, I like, I get like, yes, journalism is very dangerous, but at the same time, like seeing a journalist sort of talk about war in the same way that a soldier would is kind of strange to me, mm. but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the, the, the I, I think that like, sort of like, like going through like all this sort of like vices that he like fell victim to over time mm -hmm. uh, is just kind of like, oh, and now I don't really do any of that stuff anymore. It's like, and, and also not necessarily like entirely because he became some sort of enlightened figure, but because like his body just can't handle that, that kind of <laughs> abuse anymore, which, yeah. which like makes sense. Um, but then also like, it's like, Oh, like this kind of stuff, like people like self-medicate or like in, in these various ways um, to like, to try to get over things um, or to move past stuff or to deal with, yeah, deal with depression or, or all this kind of stuff. Um, but then like this other thing like could 
potentially help with that in a way that like can be more I guess like fulfilling over time whereas like you know if you do like cocaine or whatever it's like you're 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 satisfied for like 30 minutes and then it's mm-hmm. like okay well now I need to do some more cocaine but like uh <laughs> from what I've heard of course from testimony yes I, I I'm like a huge straight edge person and uh, like like I'm like so I have no idea but uh that's what I assume it's like so anyway hmm. I definitely agree with most of what you said there. Um, I don't know if there's like anything to to glean or to learn necessarily from the first few chapters talking about Dan's, you know, times being a, a news reporter going on these very interesting excursions and sort of having like a very successful life, ex, you know, externally showing, but sort of empty on the inside. Um, part of the book that related that notion to me a lot was like when he would return from these these trips uh reporting in like middle east or wherever and his apartment would be empty you know it's like he's out there doing these amazing things and he's risking his life without really even recognizing it yet he comes back home and there's nothing there really waiting for him and so he's like trying to you know search for a rush because you know he doesn't really know what you know in his own mind like what he really wants perhaps um i don't know maybe i'm just like projecting in some way here but it was it was sort of interesting to try and hear his rationale for that part of his life, and why he chose to do those those things he did. Well, in a lighthearted moment, I laughed incredibly hard in the second chapter when he saw when he was uh, the the chapter about his experience with that uh, pastor. Um, I forgot the guy's name, but um, it's Ted. Ted, I believe. Um, the, the, like just the introduction to the, uh, all that stuff. And then, um, his description of like, you know, oh, we're going to, we're here to go see the NORAD of prayer. And I was like, oh, well, that's just, you know, there's probably some exaggeration, but then just seeing like this whole, like, uh, like, like, I don't know, like in my head, like with the way he described it, it was just like some, lar- it was like a large building, um, had like a spinning globe, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, there was just like computers everywhere, monitors like like seeing all situations of the world. Like in my head, I was thinking of like one half. It's like oh, it's like Ozymandias. Uh, yeah, like, that's what I was looking at. Say. Like all the like uh, uh, monitors all at the same time, seeing what's going on. Where do we need to send the likes? <laughs> 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 exactly. And I was like, and, and uh, so in my head, I was like, this is like something straight out of like. Um, uh, of like a Thomas Pinchon novel, at least for me, it was just like really hilarious, and I was just like, "This is something that like, um, like makes perfect sense that someone would." Well, it makes perfect sense on the one hand that someone would want to want to do it given the technology we have, but on the other hand, it's just incredibly ridiculous. What did you think of uh, of the Ted character's rise and fall in the book? I mean, it's it's like stories like that are very common, I would think. Um, especially yeah. mm-hmm. with, uh, especially with evangelicals, just because, um, and then there's like something that, that, that Dan, like the author, like mentions, like later in the, in the, in the, towards the end of this chapter, when he's like actually, uh, confronts Dan after, well, I guess should, should we even mention the, the whole fall aspect? Yeah, I guess we can, you can describe if you recall, and I can try and fill in if I, where you might not remember, but yeah, or, you can, yeah, you can go ahead and describe the, uh, Ted, the, the pastor, was um, trying to, like, I guess, you know, spread his message. Uh, more and more got into a lot of, like, interviews with a lot of uh, networks, uh, trying to uh, publicize himself uh, very much so. Uh, but then it turns out that <clears throat> uh, becoming a, public, uh, a very public figure was did lead to his downfall, if, if you would say that, because uh, a man that he had sexual relations with, uh, like came forward and said that, you know, Ted was like basically lying to, to not only like the world, but to himself as to, you know, his own lifestyle and, and some of the, like, I guess the beliefs that he espouses on TV mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, sure enough, he ends up kind of, uh, moving away from, uh, uh, not, not, not his faith, but I guess just from the whole pastor business. Cause it, and at that point, it was a business. Um, and I, I don't, I, if I recall correctly, like him and his wife were actually uh, decided to like get back into it. It was like it's it, it was like almost like a side, like like a like a, a very a side quick, hustle uh, after 
all the dust settled. Well, it, you know, they but, were still. Well, I guess what I meant was yes, but what I, I guess what I meant was like it was like uh, Dan like wrote, like wrote that, but it was like in parentheses. It was, oh, just it was like an a, aside. It was like an aside. There you go. I was just like, that's yeah. kind of like an important thing to. I don't know why. Yeah, he was like aside. he was like, and then Ted was like, I will never be a pastor again. By the way, they're opening a church. Like what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> It was funny, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, you know, some people just like like their jobs or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe like like I don't know. I honestly have no idea what goes through people's minds uh, when they do that kind of stuff. Be an evangelical pastor. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that chapter was mostly like like I guess Dan himself trying to come to terms that people. Uh, well, well, for one, um, I think this is like. I think maybe I think this was a chapter I guess where where his notions of people started to like go from being very judgmental towards them to you know not doing that. Of course, he like yeah. does it, but you know I think this is a start where he was trying to consciously not do that um, because you know he met a man like Ted who supposedly um, had it. Well, I wouldn't say I guess supposedly like. Um, knew all the answers because he even like confesses like you know there's stuff that he's, yeah. he also struggles with and sure enough like that you know ended up coming to light beyond ted you know there's a bunch of different characters um you know after the first two chapters uh and it, it starts to go into more detail about these characters that that dan you know the author the main character of the book he meets as he's on this spirituality and religious beat um working through for abc and you know you, you, there's all these characters who who you know, seem to know everything, you know, they seem to be very aware of like themselves and others and like how to be happy in life and how to, you know, be successful and still like hold on to morals. But at the same time, they're sort of infighting with each other. And there's, there's sort of like, they have complicated answers to really hard questions that don't really leave you satisfied. Uh, especially Dan, as he's interviewing them and it's sort of like, well, maybe these people don't really have it all figured out and and they're trying just like we all are in in some sense yeah yeah i thought that was a really interesting theme throughout the book of he comes across all these people who you know he's skeptical of as as you're saying and and some of them he he does have a turn of mind about like there are a handful of instances where he you know someone's talking about some spiritual concept and he's like yeah that's kind of kooky you know but then he has a one-on-one conversation with them or he tries something himself and he's like you know what like they're right on this one. Uh, but then there, there are a handful of other experiences where, you know, he's still in doubt or like in the case of like Deepak Chopra, oh where my God. he's like, <laughs> where it's like, like this guy's like definitely a crank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like vaguely knew of the man, like just like, you know, from, from, from online, uh, from what I've read online, I guess, but very vague. Like I, I like recognize the name. I'm like, okay, I know he like does some stuff with, uh, um, I guess Eastern philosophy or even meditation or I don't know, just like spirituality and, and all that stuff. But, but in a weird, in a specific sort of way. And then I like, you know, Dan's description of him, like uh, made, made me understand more of like Deepak as a person. And I guess what he, uh, what his message is, um, that message is being like a bunch of fucking nonsense. Um, like, and, and, and a lot of buzzwords. A lot of buzzwords. And... Exactly. It, it's just it's just Mr. Buzzwords here. And and on top of that, he he like this is the image that I have in my head of uh, when when someone like or when someone mentions like self help gurus or uh, or even motivational speakers like that man is like what or like the I guess what his behavior and what he does uh, kind of like is the representation that goes on in my head like. Uh, like an ass that just uh, yeah a caricature of like what you imagine self help to be yeah right that but but also the the branding that was like the big thing about what Deepak is is that is he like not only brands the stuff that he says but also brands himself which is yeah very businessman arrogant and very weird oh yeah the Jay Z quote yeah yeah that that mm-hmm. that was that was pretty mm-hmm. apt uh, description yeah. compared to Deepak. Uh, how did you guys feel about the Eckhart Tolle? Is that the pronunciation? <laughs> Eckhart Tolle? I, I think it's Tolle. Tolle? Oh. Anyway, there's, the German two guy. O's. <laughs> it's the word tool with an E at the end. Yeah. It's T-O-L-L-E. Oh, oh yeah, it's, my yeah. bad. Tolle. 
Tola. Eckhart Tola. Or the German. Okay, the German guy who's like not quite as bombastic as Deepak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you guys feel in comparison, perhaps, to the know. interview there? He seems. He seems like he's got his shit figured out. Um, but like, as far as like helping other people, I'm not sure that. Like it's like yeah, if people if people resonate with like the 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 stuff that he's selling, then whatever. Yeah. Um, but like I don't know, it, like it it always does seem kind of strange to me that that people sort of like that that, that people who seem like you know enlightened and dis, de, and like detached from from worldly materials or whatever like would then go and start like a book enterprise. <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense to me. It seems kind of contradictory. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I, I found him much more believable but none of what tola said resonated with me i I think just purely because his journey like hinged on this like pivotal moment of like waking up like like enlightened or whatever and having mindfulness be a practice where it's something that you like slowly build over time like feels a lot more approachable to me in a way that and just hoping to wake up and be like yeah like, like, like what Tola is saying you know like makes sense to a certain extent but it just doesn't like i can't feel like i can really interact with it because i'm like that's i don't know like unless that happens to me like i feel like i can't really buy it yeah, yeah it, it's like it's like one of those people that's just like you know like i don't know do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life or like pe- people who like got successful like just from complete serendipity and, and are trying to give advice on, like, how to become successful. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, just do, like, exactly what I did, I guess, because that's what I did and it worked. It's like, well... Yeah, it doesn't work for everyone that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah so. he, he was a person that I guess I was alluding to earlier that, that offered a lot of descriptive stuff but was didn't offer any, mm-hmm. like, sort of... Um, prescriptions. Prescriptions, uh, any direct things that people can do to actually change uh, either their outlook on life but also just, like, habits that they have. Because... Uh, one thing that I like, you know, did I guess like, uh, but but it might be obvious to some people, but it's I guess something that's so obvious that people don't notice it because it's actually so far up in their head. Uh, what, what I mean by that is like the voice in your head, or like you know the thing the the thing that's in your head. The the, the what uh, I forget who Nietzsche or Freud. One of these two is the one that talks about the. Uh, Freud talked a lot about the difference between the id and the ego. There you go. And the superego. Which super is, yes. The, the, Freudian, the Freudian definition of ego is separate from the definition of ego used throughout this book. Right. It's a, yes. That's the one that like mediates between the, the id and the superego. Yeah. Um, yeah, but 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 totally was uh, saying that, like, or it's the ego that he defined was separate from that. It's it's like, it's, it's what was it, the, I guess, the voice in your head. The voice in your head is is uh, a subject matter which is brought up again and again throughout the book Ten Percent Happier right. by Dan Harris. Which, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the book Ten Percent Happier by Dan Harris. Oh my god! Which Misky was not definitely not paid to to, to present in his pocket. <laughs> Pockets, a couple bucks. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, so again, that was like one. That was like I guess a starting point for me at least, where I was like, oh yeah, I mean, obviously, Tola is probably someone that I wouldn't like. I guess like buy books from but at least from the stuff that he says like i do agree with right um it's like these things that you have to watch out for especially um self-criticism uh you know can help um with 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 things that you're trying to work on but there comes to a point where it leads to a spiral and that spiral can lead to places that you don't like so so acknowledging that there is like that voice um is a good first step, but that's as far as he goes. And the rest of the book is like other people offer like other, I guess, interpretations of this thing up until the point where I guess it goes into the whole Buddhism part of the book where it actually has actions that you can take to um, tame the voice. Yeah. And I think that's like sort of what splits the book in half for me is there is the first half which is about Dan meeting all these characters who, you know, to different degrees have it all, you know, quote unquote, figured out, which he doesn't quite necessarily understand or can't really level with them about until he kind of meets, I think a few people, but in particular, the person I remember is the Harvard grad dude who like lives in New York and is just kind of like quaint and happy and is able to convince him to try meditation and then later on try going to a retreat. Mark? Mark Epstein. Mark, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was the turning point for me in the book was the meeting between Mark and Dan. Um, cause then you kind of go, the, the book switches its perspective from 
sort of talking about these negative feelings and how Dan's trying to find an answer to them or trying to see if there's someone else who has an answer to it to actually sort of looking for answers himself in the form of self-reflection, meditation, and learning a little bit more about Buddhism itself. Um, do you guys kind of feel, do you resonate with what I just said there, like the turning point in the book? Yeah, okay. that, I yeah, also sure. agree. Yeah, that's, that's how it also felt to me. Yeah. And I don't really know if like Mark is what, is like the guy who like helped Dan find this, but I think Mark kind of uh, validated Dan in his kind of like discovery of this. I mean, I know that he kind of introduced him to like the Buddhism part of it, but like, I don't think Dan would have necessarily been in a place, you know, in a mindset where he would have been willing to accept what Mark was saying unless he had gone through all this like Deepak stuff and the Tola stuff. It kind of like set him up for like the volleyball mm-hmm. spike that was his meeting with Mark. Yeah, because he, well, I mean, like he like actively sought out Mark, right? I think he like emailed him or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like, right. oh, I want to like, I want, I want to be friends with you or whatever. Uh, you want to meet up at a bar, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and and so like that that was that was kind of the thing. It wasn't just like Mark just like came by and was like, "Have you heard of Buddhism?" And he was like, "No." It's like he went through all of these steps as 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 as, as happens in life, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, like somebody told him about, "Oh, you should check out this guy." It's like, what was it? The the Jew boos? Yeah, I was gonna yeah. mention. Yeah, There's the a Jew- community <laughs> of, of of Jewish uh, of Buddhists of Jewish descent, apparently, uh, and he's one of them. So. I'm trying to remember all the chapter titles because it helps frame my recollection of the book. Um, in in how I was reading this, I found that the first few chapters uh, I kind of slowly like slogged through, and I I, was, I enjoyed it, but it was like it was kind of like I was I was waiting for something interesting to happen, which you know happened around six in chapter seven, where you know you actually see him go on the retreat. Yeah, so that, the, mm. that chapter seven is definitely the best part of the book. Yeah, in yeah. my opinion. Um, so that's just after like what I call the turning point. I just reflect, reflected on just now. Um, how did you guys like, uh, approach chapter seven and like, did you, were you kind of like rooting for Dan? Like, did you just kind of like absorb it? Like, did you have any feelings about whether he would be successful or not in chapter seven? I I think it was very interesting. It kind of reminds me of like the runner's high in a sense. Like it's like, cause the first chapter, the first sentence of the chapter is like, it was the best high of my life, but the hangover came first. (laughs) Okay. More at 11. Um, but, um, but, but definitely it was interesting because it kind of reminds me of times that I have gone running and then I experienced a runner's high afterwards. And I'm like, why would I do this more often? It's like, cause it sucks. Um, and <laughs> in the moment, yeah, yeah it's, it, it does. And it's also like hard to like get to that point, at least for, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it was interesting. Cause it's like, it's it, like, like, it's like, I did appreciate like, like, like th- that was what I was saying that I appreciate about this book is that like the parts where he like comes at this and he's like, I don't fucking know. Like this is, this seems kind of weird or silly or whatever. And then eventually he sort of like comes around to it. Like he's very sort of like upfront about his feelings throughout the entire situation um, and then like, you know, there, there's, there's a bit of a turning point where he, where he meets up, I think with spring, uh, that lady who he was just like, just basically like, oh, this person's ridiculous. Like the entire time, like mm-hmm. eventually like she drops the shtick of her, like, let us come together in unity and harmony, like that kind of voice. Uh, and then event- and, and like in a private meeting with, with, uh, with, between spring and Dan, like she says like, oh, you're, you're trying too hard. Like you can't like, like, it's like, you're not like achieving anything i guess like with meditations like the whole point of it is just to like note things and just sort of be in the moment and not try yeah. to, it's not a like a competition it's more like a like i don't know you have to let go of desire and it's just like living yeah. with your thoughts yeah uh and that's something that dan was having a hard time with i think because he is such a go-getter he's yeah. such a type a person yeah so that's at the the conversation with Spring is near the end of the retreat, if I recall. It's about halfway through, actually. Halfway through, halfway yeah. through. Okay, it's like day five or six. Of ten was it ten days? Yeah, ten days. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually kind of funny. Like that, that that was another like money thing, which which like keeps coming up in the in the book is like. It's like, oh, like the retreat costs a thousand dollars. It's like, who has a thousand dollars and ten days to like do this kind of stuff? Yeah, like I don't know. It's it's definitely a privileged position to be in to even have this experience yeah yeah i found like I, I, I found myself wondering that every time like, like we he would talk about some character who like went to india for seven years and like practiced meditations like 
what else do you do? It's like, did they find a, a job there or did they literally just like, like did their parents like bankroll them to, to meditate for seven years straight? Maybe yeah. the monks have a farm. I tr- I tried to like not. The monks think about have that. a hedge fund. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All the, all these GameStop traders. Where they invest in cryptocurrency named after uh, Siddhartha. Uh, go, 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 Buddha go, coin. Go, 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 <laughs> Siddhartha. Yeah. Um, I, I, and the thing is that like, um, like, like it's like because they're so far away, like instead of like having like computers that go directly to the stock exchange, they like astrally project into it. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm just so mad. You know, if, if all these hedge funds go under, then you know these people won't be able to go on retreats. How will these hedge fund managers be able to find enlightenment and let go of their worldly desires? Well, that's actually something that gets brought up towards like uh, I forget what uh, chapter, chapter nine. nine. I think I, I think I bookmarked yes. it. You don't pages, like chapter nine? No, I texted Misky after <laughs> I read, and I was like, I fucking hate this chapter. Yeah, because <laughs> it's all just right. like mm-hmm. it's like oh boy, like military men and like all the people that make the world a terrible place can finally become more efficient killing machines thanks to the power of meditation. <laughs> it really pissed me off because all right. like all right. before we before we jump over in t- uh, after retreat, okay, chapter nine is called the New Caffeine, which talks about the soldiers and the hedge fund managers becoming better world killers um i don't want i don't want to just glance over chapter eight which is where which is called 10 percent happier mm-hmm. which is like the i guess the title right yeah um all right if you don't mind <laughs> me, like breaking up for that topic i just want to do sure it we'll return to it shortly yeah, and then yeah. i'll and then i'll return to the profane <laughs> terrain so the retreat ends and dan, dan is happy he did it he you know gets emotional and he's like satisfied with the experience for the most part as i understand it you know uh and then there's chapter eight which is he goes back to work and he's trying meditation and he's like more in tune with his thoughts he's more mindful people are asking him sort of like how it changed him some people are treating him differently but at the end of the day he's actually able to get more of his coworkers involved in this and he's he's seeing a positive change in his life and in his interpersonal relationships and he's glad he has done it and so it's like the retreat worked He's making changes in his life. He is 10% happier. Yeah. And, and I guess like for me having rushed into chapter nine, like I will, like, like, like I would like to, like, like I said, chapter seven is my favorite chapter in the book. And the reason for it is because like you do sort of like see his experience of like, of like finally like breaking through to the other side in a sense and like sort of experiencing the kind of like, the like this kind of like pure mindfulness. And he describes it as like, instead of like going into a dream, it's like being pulled out of a dream and like suddenly everything feels like hyper real and then he has, like, this experience with a hummingbird and, like, all this kind of stuff. It's, like, super cool, honestly, to, like, see that kind of stuff happen. Um, but Especially then, to someone who earlier was such a skeptic and it was yeah. very relatable. It yeah. was like, oh, nice. It it's worked. Like, yeah, we got the turn. It only cost $1,000. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but it was interesting to see that, like, how, how quickly he returned to regular life as soon as the retreat was over. He was yeah. like, as soon as I left, I checked my BlackBerry uh, and then I just like went back to, you know, hung out with my like in-laws or whatever. Um, and yeah, there's chapter eight where he like sort of like, you know, like, like, like he sort of like figure, he figures out how to explain uh, his experiences of meditation to other people without sounding like a complete, like, you know, like Lunatic. A- astral projector or yeah. whatever. Um, and, and, and like, I think, well, I mean like, like, you know, that, I guess that was sort of what led to the whole book in the first place. It's funny that the chapter has the same name as the book. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it, it seemed like that strategy did work. Like he, like he talks about how it's like, once he like figured out like that his explanation for meditation is it makes me 10% happier. It's like, this is the perfect meritocratic explanation that I could give to my peers. Like, great. yeah. Who are all similar, like go-getters, merit talkers, see people. Yeah. So. He's able to relate his experience now to the lay person. Yeah. Um, all right. Now you can go back to ripping on Shepard. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. The thing that I guess bothers me about that is like there are, the, the criticisms of the very things that he's talking about is laid out at the end of the chapter very briefly. Um, but like, he doesn't seem to give much thought to it, which is really troubling to me. Just the fact that like people like, like, like there are for it, for, from what I can tell, <laughs> A lot of um, a, a lot of elements to like the various tenets of Buddhism that like sort of run counter to 
this kind of like, the, the, like, 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 like this kind of like this violence and like, just like accrual of material wealth and like all of this kind of stuff. Um, like, like, you know, like, like, like Buddhists are like, I think like Buddhists are typically vegetarian. Like they don't even kill animals or like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, like Often it's really, it's, mm-hmm. it's like with lumped in with other, like in Indian subcontinent, Eastern religions, like Jainism, like Jainism, I know like this, they're all vegetarians, mm-hmm. but I don't think necessarily all, all Buddhists, Buddhists are necessarily vegetarian. All right. Well, in, in any case, like they are definitely like not just going to like, they're, they're not really into violence as peaceful. a concept. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty peaceful people. And so it's like to see like these things of like, oh, meditation, it's like just as the concept by itself, like in a vacuum has been shown by all of these scientific studies to like improve all this stuff. Like that's great. Um, what's not as great is like the fact that like, oh, it's like, oh, we're teaching like army people how to, how to, how to meditate to try to like uh, address the PTSD epidemic. And it's like, here's one way to address the PTSD epidemic is to stop all the fucking wars. That would do it. That would probably do it. Like it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Just end this cycle of suffering that's like imposed on humans by other humans. And then we won't have to deal with this stuff. Yeah. Um, but like that, th- that is the thing is just, it's just like, Oh, it's like, and, and the chapter is called like the new caffeine where it's like all these like sort of like, you know, high class individuals, like, are, are sort of like espousing meditation. It's like, oh, it's the new energy drug. Like you can become more productive, and it's just like sickening to me because it's like it's like, almost counterproductive or counterintuitive to what the whole point of getting into it was. Yeah, and it's like it is true that like definitely like when your mind is clearer, like you can get things done more often. But it's like I don't know if like, like it seems perverse to go in and and sort of say like, oh, the point of this is to wring more productivity out of people. Like that's not the point of it like 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 it's like there is a kind of like um like 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 idea for 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 like sort of like you know like i don't know having more compassion for your fellow man and like for all living beings and all that kind of stuff i don't know about that i mean i saw that there was actually a mistranslation of one of the steps to enlightenment that the buddha said and i think one of them was increased productivity (laughs) (laughs) yeah the fifth noble truth yeah yeah it was it it was a copy of getting things done by david allen (laughs) That book is much older than people think. What is it like? Fifty years old? What? No, it's it, it's it's three thousand years old. It's oh. twenty five hundred <laughs> years old. Oops. But yeah, <laughs> I, I also yeah, I, I also agree with all the stuff that Hadrian's saying. Like, cause like the entire the entire chapter, I'm just like in my head, I'm just like, cool. Yeah, uh, soldiers can now uh, calmly and rationally and efficiently shoot children. Um, it's great. Um, and also like with Thanks. like with, like 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 high or I guess elite businessmen and and um that was just something that i had always wondered like you know why why did these sorts of people like have uh self-help or like get buy into this whole self-help guru or like the meditation stuff but then read into the chapters like oh okay yeah it makes perfect sense why it, it just started like being capitalized on in in in, in those sorts of yeah. environments and then yeah. and then the the thought running through my head i was like well is this guy or like is, is dan the author ever gonna like talk about that because the entire book there would be always a thought in my head and i mentioned it to misky there would always be a thought in my head being like okay cool but did the you know did you ever consider this or like like you know some some skeptical Mm -hmm. question and almost in the next sentence or the next paragraph like he brings it up because that's just like that was in his nature to like he would address it or he would even question it to try to have the other person address it and i was like cool that's that's awesome because that's what i was thinking in my head and it was good to see it on the page but like all that stuff regarding this chapter didn't happen until like the last like i was it the two pages of this chapter and it was only for like one paragraph and it, like he, he detailed like all the complaints that people had about you know the military and and, and these sort of um i don't know like hedge fund hedge fund is, an example. is what they called it right make mindfulness this is a perfect example perfect term for it um and like it's all it's all talked about in one paragraph but then doesn't get touched upon any more after that and it feels like it's such a huge thing to just lay out on the table to not talk about i, I do think that the next chapter chapter 10 the self-interested case on, on not being a dick kind of it's not it's not it doesn't talk about being like a soldier who's mind, mindful um but it does talk about how like being compassionate you know makes you more friends than it does you know it, it helps you you know create alliances more than it, i guess it would be beneficial to you to I don't know, be brutal and just take whatever you can get. Yeah. But, but, but I do think that like, 
it's 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 like it's like you know this is where this is where the sort of like socialist part of me comes in is like around this part of the book right mm-hmm. uh, and and that was what I mentioned at the beginning of this episode where I was like this is the part of the book where the, where he comes at this not from the perspective of a skeptic but from somebody who like cares about maintaining their their image and their status yeah um, because it's just like oh the self interested case for not being a dick it's like well like, <laughs> still being self interested is well yeah it, it's it's like looking at it from that perspective like kind of like misses the point of like of, of, of I guess like 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 like, like altruism at least in my opinion like like it, it may, yeah, I it, guess if I if I'm saying if I'm hearing you right what you're saying is like if you're still worried about um, your own personal interest over others, then you're not quite keying into the compassionate and like a- aspect of Buddhism. Well, I, I don't know because I'm not a, I'm not like, a, I, like I don't really yeah, understand either, Buddhism so. that well, but like it, it does seem kind of like strange to me that like, this is kind of like the frame of mind at which you would approach this kind of thing. It's because it's like, like, like it's like, like it's like that this whole sort of like part of the book, like kind of like, <sighs> It's hard for me to put this into words, I guess, or like, like, like I'm trying, I'm, I'm struggling to find yeah. the, the right way to say this. Um, but like, basically, like it, it does kind of seem like it's like, oh, like you know, all of this stuff that like you know leads to this, like I guess, like you know, self actualization and like better understanding or like, like better sympathetic understanding of the world around you. It's like now I'm gonna hone this in the direction of becoming like I don't know, just like like. Like, like like more powerful person or whatever like in in the world and, and, and like that kind that element of it like feels cheap to me personally and, and like it, it I guess it is good to make like self interested cases for not being a dick for people who are sort of like inherently like not inherently self interested but their personality like sort of bends in that direction and they need to like or, and, and and they would need to sort of be convinced of this like from that angle because that's where they're coming from. Um, but at the same time, like I said, it just it, it like 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 all all the stuff that has to do with like, oh, I might lose my effectiveness. Like, okay, <laughs> like like as long as you're a happier person, like what does it matter? Yeah. Like 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 it's like oh, I didn't get the like the, the Good Morning America like weekday slot. It's like okay, like I mean, like like because one of the things that I was thinking about throughout the whole book is like how much does this person make like like when, when he was in Iraq like how much did he make like because it's like you know, he's talking about all this stuff he, he like, must be somewhat wealthy he has yeah. a downtown New York apartment he, he also said that like oh like my therapist lives in an inconvenient part of Manhattan it's like what's an inconvenient part of Manhattan like the upper west side versus the upper east side it's like oh I have to take the subway down and then over and then up again or whatever like, I, I, I had I to walk <laughs> The Upper East Side is inconvenient relative to the Upper West Side. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I, I've been to JFK Airport. That's as far as I've gotten. <laughs> I, made, I made a YouTube video about the New York City subway. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to check it out sometime. Any other thoughts on Chapter 9, Chapter 10, how they interrelate? I thought the description, I thought like the, not, I don't know about the conversation, but at least like his encounter with um, the Dalai Lama was hilarious. Um, he, he, I don't true. know, like the way he described mm-hmm. the Dalai Lama, like to me, was like Ang from Avatar, the Last Airbender. <laughs> they have they have similar garbs. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've seen the Dalai Lama, but yeah. they have like a similar sort of like costume. Red, yellow. Yeah, yeah, he's got the Airbender drip. The image of him with like extremely large and unnecessary sunglasses uh, on him is, is a funny image to me. Yeah. I mean, probably for the show, like they 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 got that from 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 like that like the Tibetan sort of like because because it's like the Airbenders are like nomads, and I think they're kind of based yeah. in like that sort of like the Tibetan mm-hmm. area. I don't know if I've ever really paid much attention to the Dalai Lama, so I I don't know if it, I didn't really know what his view. I just knew that he was like a very holy, worldly kind of a dude. Yeah, uh, but it was refreshing to hear that you know he feels anger and frustration and isn't just like. <laughs> I don't know, peaceful, beyond peaceful all the humans. time beyond human ca- like capacity. And that, like, he's like, yeah, like sure. I get mad about stuff, but like the point of Buddhism isn't that you're never mad. It's that like you can deal with that. You can forgive yourself and let go. You know, yeah. These sorts of things. And that's why he is the world's ultimate like shit poster on Twitter because he has reached this sort of peaceful, like Zen and enlightenment. He's able to send out the most scathing insults. If you, the many steps to enlightenment all it takes is one good shit post <laughs> yeah that, that that's why that's why drill is really a bodhisattva of our time yeah <laughs>
Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, then that leaves us with the last chapter of the book, uh, chapter eleven. Hide the Zen. Um. Oh yeah, I guess all the criticisms that I have also kind of apply to chapter eleven. So yeah. Well, yeah. So for those who haven't read it, chapter eleven is like Dan recognizes that, you know, he can't just be super, you know, ethereal at work and still get by and like be successful. You know, he has to understand all the things he's benefited from and all the skills he's learned in meditation and mindfulness, but that he still like, like in order to work with those who aren't necessarily like, you know, mindful as he, he is, uh, he has to, has to hide his Zen, um, and still like be forward and like direct, um, and like kind of balance the two really, uh, in his working world. Um, and it kind of like returns to like the, the story that he's telling in chapter 11 at the end of the book is like, you know, he's not focusing as much of his time and effort on explaining like meditation and mindfulness to other people but he's trying to like talk about how these principles have now applied themselves into his working world as he's continuing to like move forward in his job um, and like work with other people who aren't necessarily mindful like he is and hasn't gone through these experiences that, that he has, but he's benefiting from them nevertheless. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, I was kind of glad to see chapter 11. Uh, I was, it kind of felt, it, it wasn't like a conclusion, even though it's the last chapter of the book. I didn't feel like things were wrapped up, but that's also because Dan's life is not over. By any means, um, he's written this book after this, all these experiences and what he's learned from them. Um, but like, they're still, he's still practicing them and he's still learning from them. Um, and so it's like, it was interesting to kind of see like the meshing of his mindfulness practices and his like, his very high intensity job of being a news anchor. Um, I don't know what I really learned from chapter 11 other than just sort of valid, it sort of validated certain thoughts I had in my mind about like what he would have to do in order to continue to succeed but still be mindful in such a high intensity job. Yeah. One, uh, I guess one positive thing that I will say about this chapter is that um, like the thing, like, and it may, I, like I actually don't remember if it happened in this chapter or in a previous chapter, but um, the, the thing about like sort of like being like, like not worrying about the outcome of things, like doing the work and not being too like, like sort of tied to the outcome is like, it is something that I think is like really like useful and like, and, and profound like in these kinds of things, because like, like as as I, as I think I mentioned like on a previous episode of this podcast, it's like when it comes to like you know creative endeavors in particular, or even like political endeavors or any of that kind of stuff. Like you're all, like there is always going to be some kind of compromise, or things are not going to like go exactly in the way that you had anticipated. And like sort of obsessing over that, over the anticipation, like is not productive because it just sort of leads you to not do anything at all because it's like oh I can't do it, I'm not good enough, like all this kind of stuff. And like so this is like kind of exactly like what. What, what, what I was talking about like a couple of episodes ago. Um, there is a, um, like, have you guys, do you guys know what mandalas are? It's like the circle pattern. It has, it has significance in Eastern religions. Yeah. Um, there, there was an episode of House of Cards, which is generally a very bad show and I don't <laughs> recommend it, um, <laughs> where, where, um, where, where, where it shows a bunch of monks like creating a mandala. Like, oh, yeah. I have seen this episode. Yes. Yeah. And then they destroy it at the end. Uh, and, and like that kind of reminds me of, of, of the, of the, of this idea of like not being attached to the outcome because it's like they've made this beautiful piece of artwork and now they have discarded it. Like all of the sand just goes back in the bag and is, and is gone forever. It's like the, the, the point is the process, not the outcome. Um, and so that, that, that kind of thing resonates with me in particular. Yeah. And also that, I guess it's also an example of like the idea of impermanence or at least acknowledging and, and accepting the, early, uh, the impermanence of, well, everything. At least that's one of the, um, to me, I guess this is one of the tenets of Buddhism. It's it's humorous. The the topic from two weeks ago uh, and this share the impermanence <laughs> uh, aspect of it. That's true. That <laughs> is true. You know, like degradation to Alzheimer, Alzheimer's, as we talked about two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I did find this book a little bit helpful for like you know dealing getting with over, that, getting over the like uh, the panic it's, associated with that. It's funny because that's actually I think what drove me initially to recommend this book and how it talks about. It doesn't focus on this at all, but like it brings up the notion of of impermanence and how it relates to Buddhism, and and sort of like later mindfulness. Um, and it's just like a weird connection there. I just, I, I made that connection and I was like, Oh, I'll recommend the book. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully it helped in some way. All right. Um, at the end here, 
I don't want to ask for like your review or whatever of the book, but because um, I have no stake in whether I don't know you you cared about the book now. Uh, hopefully, it helped you in some way. But would you, as I have recommended it to you, would you would, do you think this is the sort of thing that you'd ever recommend to someone else? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I would. Definitely All over right. any fucking Deepak Chopra book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I find it approachable, and I mean, I feel like if I encountered someone who was you know skeptical but open-minded about this sort of stuff i'd say you know you know this might be an interesting book yeah all right sweet like i said i had no stake in whether or not you mm-hmm. would recommend this to someone else but he has a 10 yeah. percent cool. stake in any profits <laughs> that come out of this show <laughs> not, not as much of a stake as he has in GameStop. <laughs> all right i'm stopping my recording okay <laughs> Yeah, you're listening to the number one Boston uh, hit uh, Weezer podcast, 